Please be aware that the comments, views, opinions shared on this podcast are not meant to diagnose a medical problem and or legal problem. If you do have a medical problem or legal problem, kindly contact a professional. Welcome to Annapolis A Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How you feeling today, my friends? How's everything going? You feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Hey, before we start, let me remind you, An Apple a Day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast, so if you get a minute, go over there check it out. So, have you been doing your exercises? Have you been getting fresh air in your lungs? You're getting your medication delivered to the house? You're getting food? You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing? You're keeping those virtual doctor's appointments? It looks like things are starting to open up. And are, are you ready to go back to going to a doctor's office? I, I've been going, uh, like I told you last week, I've been going to doctor's offices because I have to. Like I went to a, a hematologist just a couple of days ago. It's hard to do a hematologist over Skype and stuff like that. But um, So I had to go to the office and I'm telling you, it's kind of worrisome. It's kind of scary, actually, going to the office because you have to mask up and you have to have gloves on and you have to go in. And they even make you use the hand sanitizer on the gloves when you go into the waiting room. It's a weird experience. And I tell you the truth, I hope they continue doing the the telehealth. I hope they continue with that using, you know, FaceTime and Zoom and Skype and all of that. I hope they continue at least for a while longer. If you can do it over that, it's so much better because you you get into these places, especially like a, a doctor's office. You get into these doctor's offices and if there's someone else in the waiting room, now you're trying to socially distance yourself from people in the waiting room. And you know, you never think about it. You never thought about it before the pandemic, but those waiting rooms aren't that big. So it's, it's a scary experience, but prepare yourself. Make sure you do have the supplies. Make sure you do have masks. Make sure you do have gloves. You should have them anyway right now, but make sure you do stock up on them. It's a, it's a scary world out there. It's, a, it's, like, it's almost like living in a, a sci-fi movie, stepping out. It's weird. But you know what? We're going to get back to normal, I hope. I hope, but I do hope, I honestly hope, that the telemed becomes a new normal especially for us, for the disabled community. It makes it so much easier than to have to travel for a 10-minute doctor's appointment. (laughs) How many times have you had to get up, get dressed, get fixed up, get someone to drive you? You sit in traffic for a half hour, then you sit in the doctor's office for a half hour for a 10-minute visit to get back in the car, to take another half hour ride home. When you could do it right from the convenience of your living room, over a telephone. Now, if you need to go for blood draws or something like that, that's different. But just a follow-up appointment, I think telemed is the best thing. But that's my opinion. If you have a different opinion, tell us about it. Go to our group on Facebook. That's uh, www.facebook.com 
www.ghostbusters.com forward slash disabled living and tell us what you think about this telemed. Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it's a bad thing? Would you rather keep it or would you rather go to the doctor's office? Me personally, I'd rather keep it, but that's me. Well, we got a good one for you here today. Uh, We're going to be talking about a a news release from Social Security about replacing your Social Security cards online. It's now available in 43 different states and the District of Columbia. We also have information on new drug prices for people on Medicare. (laughs) You're going to like that. We also have information if you're not able to renew your driver's license because of the COVID-19, the pandemic. I have some information from Fine Law on that for you. And I also have some information. And you're going to, here, I'm going to give you something to do while you're listening to this right now. Take a look at your fingers. All right. Everyone knows your middle finger is the biggest finger. And that's probably because it gets the most workout, especially if you drive. But what's your next biggest finger on your hand? We're going to get to that. But just take a look at it. Okay, and we're going to be talking about caretakers today, people who take care of us, people who do it voluntarily or they do it for a price. But we're going to talk about them today, too. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Okay, I have a news release here from the Department of Social Security. It's written by Mike Corby, Deputy Commissioner for Communications. And it says, We're pleased to announce that we've added Connecticut, Ohio, and Utah to the growing list of states where you can go online to replace your Social Security card. In many cases, you may not need a replacement card. Most of the time, simply knowing your Social Security number is enough. If you do need to replace your lost or misplaced Social Security card, our online application makes getting a replacement card easier than ever. Online card replacement is available if you live in the District of Columbia or one of 43 states that can verify state ID information for us. If you're only requesting a replacement card and you're making no changes, that's no changes, you may be able to use our free online service. All you need to do is create a My Social Security account and meet certain requirements. Opening up a personal My Social Security account is easy, convenient, and secure. We protect your information by using strict identity verification and security features. Once you have a personal account, simply follow the instructions to request a replacement Social Security card. You can apply for a replacement card online if you, number one, are a U.S. citizen age 18 or older with the U.S. mailing address. This includes an APO, FPO, and DPO addresses. Number two, are not requesting any changes to your card, including name changes. And number three, have a valid driver's license or state-issued identification card. Now is a great time to go online because Social Security offices are currently closed to the public due to COVID-19 pandemic. If you need a replacement card, please visit our website, that's www.ssa.gov, to find out if you can take advantage of this convenient online replacement service. There you have it. Just something to make things easier. Easier. And going online is easy. It is. It's better than having to wait. And you need your Social Security card for a a multitude of things. I mean, if you're applying for a credit card, if you're opening up a bank account. So there you have it. It's just 
something made easier for us. So it's a good thing. Okay, so let's move on to the next. I think we're going to talk about what happens if you can't renew your driver's license. This is important. Okay, so what happens if you can't renew your driver's license? The hours waiting, the surly employees, the depressing, if any, decor, the fees that always seem to get more expensive. A trip to your DMV is never fun, ever. This is even before the coronavirus pandemic hit. But what do you do if your driver's license is expiring? With office closures and or fears of entering offices during the pandemic, it's no longer just hopeless boredom while waiting in the DMV that people have to dread. And it's not like you can wait in your car. You know that they're going to use those little paper tickets for the rest of time. Driver's licenses are, are essential. All joking aside, you need your driver's license. If you have to leave your house for work, and there is no public transportation, your driver's license is essential. And driving on an expired driver's license can get you locked into a vicious cycle of penalties, including fines and suspensions. Additionally, if you have a commercial driver's license, an expired license means you can't even work. Driver's licenses also serve more purposes than just making it legal to be behind the wheel. Most people rely on their licenses as a one-size-fits-all photo ID to use at the airport, to purchase alcoholic beverages, and to vote. Many places will not accept expired licenses as proof of age or identity. Did you know that? Thankfully, nearly every state government realized the importance of giving everyone facing an expired license a bit of grace period. DMVs are a state government function, so circumstances in every state are different. So what you have to do is go online to your state Department of Motor Vehicles and see what their decision is for extensions on your driver's license, expiring driver's license. So go on your state government website, go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, and see what their policy is on extensions for your driver's license that's about to expire. Now, here's something else to remember, and this is very important. Don't drive if you shouldn't. In every state that is granted extensions for expiring licenses, these extensions do not apply to people driving on suspended or revoked driver's licenses. If police pull you over and your license was suspended because of, say, a DUI or some other type of traffic violation, these extensions will not help you, okay? They're not going to help you. You could still leave yourself exposed to criminal penalties. So go on your state Department of Motor Vehicles website and check what their policy is on driver's license extensions. It's important that you have your driver's license. So it's easy. It's easy. And they're all doing it. They're all doing it. Even New York is doing it. And New York, <laughs> New York is difficult for everything. So, all right, let's move on here. And I think what we're going to talk about next is, are you still looking at your finger? Keep, keep looking at your fingers. Let me know what the next biggest finger to your middle finger is. Now, this may surprise you, but men with the long ring fingers are less likely to die from the coronavirus, according to a study. <laughs> it's a telltale finger. 
Men with longer ring fingers may have lower chances of dying from the coronavirus and could be more likely to face mild symptoms, according to a new study published in the Journal of Early Human Development. The reason? The length of the ring finger is believed to be linked to how much testosterone men are exposed to in utero. The longer the finger, the greater the hormonal exposure, and the testosterone is believed to protect against severe coronavirus-related illnesses because it increases the concentration of an angiotensin-converting enzyme 2, or ACE2, in the body. Earlier this month, researchers estimated that men with no mention of finger length are more than twice as likely to die from COVID-19 than women because of the greater presence of ACE2 found in their blood. ACE2, a receptor and a gatekeeper to cells, binds to the coronavirus, allowing it to cause infection. So while it may not stop them from getting the coronavirus, it could be a sign that the symptoms won't be as severe. Other studies suggest that even higher levels of ACE2 thought to create greater entry points for the virus to infect cells can protect men against lung damage, the Daily Mail notes. With regards to lungs, the coronavirus is known to lower the number of ACE2 receptors once inside the body. But it appears that men who have higher levels of the enzyme could be better protected from the disease's wrath than men with the low account. The Swansea University-led researchers poured over the data from 200,000 people across 41 countries where they measured volunteers' ring fingers in relation to their index fingers to the nearest millimeter. A smaller digit ratio means the ring finger is longer, and this trait was found in countries including Malaysia, Russia, and Mexico, where COVID-19 fatality rate was lower. Countries where men have higher digit ratio, meaning the ring finger is shorter, include the United Kingdom, Spain, Bulgaria, where there's been higher fatality rates. On average, men in countries with longer ring fingers have a death rate of 2.7 per 100,000. For the countries where the shorter ring finger, the average death is 4.9 per 100,000. Now, if that makes a difference, who knows? But I just found that interesting. And as soon as I seen that article, I started looking at my fingers and I'm saying, well, my, my ring finger is pretty big. I was hoping it meant something else, but it doesn't. But how big is your ring finger? Have you measured it yet? Get the ruler out. Get the ruler out. Okay, we're going to move on here and we're going to talk about Trump slashing the cost of insulin prices for Medicare enrollees. You're going to want to hear about this. So sit back and relax. We're moving on. There's an old belief that once prices go up, they never come back down. But thank you, President Trump. Thank you. Because President Trump is slashing the cost of insulin for Medicare enrollees to $35 a month. That's right. President Trump announced a prescription plan drastically reducing the cost of insulin for American seniors who rely on Medicare. The deal was struck with the nation's insulin manufacturers and healthcare providers will limit the copay for a month's supply of insulin to $35. That's a 66% reduction to the current price, the White House Counselor Kelly Conway said. The initiative will apply to one in three Medicare enrollees who have diabetes, which is approximately 3 million people.
people. The announcement comes on the heels of hearings into the rising cost of insulin in the United States, with one diabetic groomed to be dying in 2019 after switching to a cheaper version to help pay for his wedding. Having more predictable out-of-pocket costs will help seniors and Medicare recipients adhere to their doctor's orders, Conway told reporters. The initiative was unveiled at the White House with President Trump and the nation's healthcare executives. The plan, effective January 2021, will save Medicare recipients approximately 56% or an average of $446 each year in insulin copays, said the administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thank you, President Trump. It's about time. It's about time. You know, they give away needles and they give away drug kits and they give away all this other stuff to junkies and alcoholics. But the people that need insulin to live, those people, they rape. And senior citizens have to decide whether or not they're going to take their medication or they're going to eat cat food. Or if they're going to eat it all, maybe the cat food's too expensive. But finally, thank you, President Trump. That's all I can say. That's good news. That's good news. It's a sin that we have to wait to 2021. I'm a diabetic myself, but it's coming. It's passed. So in 2021, we're going to know that we're only going to pay $35 for a month's supply of insulin. That's excellent. That's excellent. All right, let's move on here. So over the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about caretakers. Yeah, you know, the people that step up and they give us a hand after after an accident or after we become disabled. And there's three different kinds that I find, you know, and I've, give, I've given them names. <laughs> All right. The first one is the everyone loves Raymond, the Marie caretaker. The second one is the mommy dearest caretaker. And then the third one is the normal caretaker. Now, let's start with the everyone loves Raymond, the Marie caretaker. All right, the Marie caretaker, they hear that you've been in an accident, okay? And that's all they have to hear. They're probably at the hospital before your ambulances. And when they get to the hospital, they're hovering. They're pacing back and forth. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? When you finally come in, they take control. They know nothing about anything, but they're going to take control. They're pushing the experts away. They want to come and hug you and kiss you. They're going to make you feel better by, oh, by their love. Their love is going to take care of you. And they want to be consulted about every step, everything that is happening to you. They want to be consulted. Other family members come. They push the family members away. They're in charge. If the if the staff doesn't consult them, they're taking names and they're threatening them. They're threatening to report them. And of course, they you know they always have friends in high places. The the Maries they always have friends in high places. They know the chief of staff. They know the head surgeons. They know everybody. And then they expect it to be treated like royalty in the hospital. They no matter what. They want them to come to them first before they even come to the patient. They want them to be consulted. Like I said, they want to be consulted about everything before they even consult the patient. And then they baby the patient. They baby the patient while they're given the while they're given the staff hell. That's that's the Marie caretaker. And it's no good. It's no good because they don't let the patient 
They don't even let the patient make a decision for themselves. They're making all the decisions and they don't know anything about anything. They're not, they're not medical professionals. They're not nurses or doctors. But they're going to make all the decisions for you. That's dangerous. That's the dangerous one. Then you have the mommy dearest. I've dealt with the mommy dearest. My own mommy dearest. But the mommy dearest blames the patient. All right? The mommy dearest gets the phone call at home. Your son has been in an accident. This is terrible. Because, not because of the son being in the accident. It's terrible because it's interfering with their TV show. Mommy dearest blames the patient for everything. It's his fault. They feel put out by the fact that they even have to go to the hospital. They have better things to do than to deal with this. When they get to the hospital, there's the patient laying in the bed. They're covered with blood. They're getting ready to go into surgery and the mommy dearest will be full of doom and gloom. Not how do you feel. They'll come over and say things like, look what you did. Look what you did. Now your insurance is going to go up. You're going to lose your job. How are you going to pay your bills? Where are you going to get money from? Believe me, this happens. This actually happens. Then then they'll go on and tell you other people wouldn't let this happen to them. Then, then, as you're waiting, were you drunk? Were you drinking? You using drugs? These are questions that people like this actually ask at the hospital. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen other people that have seen it firsthand. Then, naturally, you know, if that's not bad enough, you're, you're laying in your room, you're trying to recuperate a little bit, trying to get some rest, you're hurting, and they'll tell you how you're going to get sued. Somehow, this is all your fault. And then, when you're getting ready to come home, it's one of those things like, don't expect everybody to be waiting on you hand and foot. Other people have lives too. <laughs> yeah, sweet woman, isn't she? And then someday you'll learn. Someday you'll learn. Again, a dangerous person. person like that you don't need in your life. Trust me, you don't need that in your life. And then you have the right caretaker. You have the person that actually wants to take care of you, wants to help you, but's not going to smother you. The person that is your second set of eyes, your second set of ears, the person that takes down notes, the person that looks up what the doctor's telling you and lets you ask the questions and listens, listens for the answers. They're your backup person. They're the person that's willing to help you. They're the person that will let you stretch your boundaries and knows when, you, when you've hit your limits. They're not the one that's going to coddle you and tell you not to do it. They're going to push you a little bit, but they're not going to push you so far that you're going to hurt yourself. That's the type of caretaker I have in my wife. My wife is like that. She'll push me just far enough that she knows that I'm pushing my limits. She won't make me overdo it, but she won't let me sit back on my laurels. And that's good. That's the, that's the good way to do it. This way, you're always striving to do a little bit more. And when we go to the doctors, she's listening. She listens to everything. She, she takes down all these notes and she looks it all up. She knows my pills better than I do. She knows my prescriptions. She knows my appointments better than I do. But we're going to talk about all three of these over the next com- couple of episodes. So I just wanted to put them out there. And I'm sure you, you've dealt with at least two out of the three, or maybe you dealt with all three. I know I've dealt with all three, and we'll be we'll be discussing them over the next couple of episodes. So I just wanted to put it out there today and 
get your feet wet a little bit and let you know it's coming up. Now, I want to thank you for stopping by today. And as always, I want to remind you, no one's ever gone blind by looking at things from the bright side. Always try to look at the bright side of things. You know, when it seems like you're down, when it seems like you've hit rock bottom, you haven't. And always remember, always remember, things can always be worse. No matter what, there's someone somewhere that wishes they were in your position right now. So things can always be worse, my friends. All right, again, thank you for stopping by. We got a good week coming up, and you're not going to want to miss it. You've been listening to An Apple A Day, and remember this, very important, Laughter is the best medicine for anything. The best. My name is Jimmy Apple. I'll talk to you again, my friends. (laughs) Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple, your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.